Welcome to Commercial Contracts 2022, a series of podcasts by Stevens and Bolton designed to help you and your team members improve your terms and conditions, master service agreements, outsourcing arrangements or standard terms and conditions. Today I'm joined by our Head of Restructuring and Insolvency, Tim Carter. Welcome Tim and thanks for joining us. Thanks very much Beverly, good to be here. So there's been a lot of changes in the insolvency legislation and those who have standard terms or master services agreements or outsource arrangements uh, now have some further complications to consider. Uh, I thought we might start, Tim, by you giving us a brief outline of those changes and what um, in-house lawyers and those who are working on contracts need to be cognizant of. You know, yes, of course. So really, it all centres around from the 26th of June 2020. Uh, when the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Act 2020, which I'll abbreviate to CIGAR from now, was introduced. Uh, CIGAR, amongst other things, brought about a fundamental change to the principle of freedom of contract in the context of insolvency. Um, This new provision to the Insolvency Act 1986, Section 233B, is now and has been in full force with some initial exclusions for smaller company, so for smaller suppliers having now ended. Uh, Broadly, though, Section 233B prevents the termination of contracts for the supply of goods and services by reason of the insolvency of a contractual counterparty. Therefore, any contract term that provides for either the automatic termination uh, or the supplier to terminate the supply contract on the customer entering insolvency proceedings becomes inoperative. Uh, Section 233B also renders inoperable any other contractual variation that is triggered by the customer entering insolvency proceedings, for example, changing payment terms to reduce the amount or length of credit or requiring payment in advance. Uh, In particular, a supplier cannot make it a condition of continuing to supply that all outstanding payments are paid or do anything that has this same effect. Uh, Further, it's worth mentioning a supplier cannot exercise a contractual termination right in respect of a breach which occurred prior to the commencement of the insolvency procedure after the counterparty has entered that procedure. Additionally, unless the supplier is providing essential supplies such as gas, electricity, water, communications and IT goods and services, they are unable to insist on a guarantee from the insolvency office holder as a condition for the continued supply to the business. These new restrictions apply to a broad range of insolvency procedures, including administration, liquidation, company voluntary arrangements, and the new standalone moratorium introduced by Cigar, as well as the new Part 26A restructuring plan, which was introduced into the Companies Act 2006. Wow, Tim, that's a lot of um, legislation and tricky provisions. But I suppose if I were to summarise, if I were looking to exit or terminate or impose Uh, provisions in a contract or exercise those rights. I'd need to be mindful of this legislation if I were looking to exercise those rights and the counterparty um, was entering into some form of insolvency arrangement. Would that be a fair summary? That's exactly right, Beverly, yes. Brilliant, thank you. For us who are less initiated in those provisions. So I suppose really when we're looking at contracts, are there any specific contracts will be affected? Do parties need to worry about contracts heading into prior to the new restrictions being enacted? Or um, is it all future facing? 
No, so the Section 233B uh, protections apply to all relevant contracts, uh, regardless of when the contract was entered into. So long as the company has entered into an insolvency procedure on or after the 26th of June 2020, which, as I said, when CIGAR came into force. So the short answer, yes, all existing contracts, not just those entered into after the 26th of June 2020, will be affected. Understood. And I suppose really the position for customers in light of the new provisions, or they're not so new now, but in light of these provisions, and the position for suppliers may differ. So maybe we'll look at the customer position first, if that's okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, so fortunately for customers, I guess fortunately is the right term, the provisions in Section 233B only expressly apply to suppliers. So customers are not prevented from exercising a contractual right to terminate a supply contract where the supplier becomes insolvent. Understood. So therefore, what does it mean for suppliers when they're acting on standard terms? Is there something they need to do in their um, contracts to to afford better protection in light of the restrictions? Or actually, is it is it kind of um, status quo? That's a good question. So although suppliers are unable to terminate by reason of insolvency, that does not mean that they are not uh, required to continue making supplies to the customer indefinitely without payment. Uh, standard terms, as you know, Beverly, often contain a termination right based on non-payment. As I've said, after insolvency, suppliers cannot make it a condition of continuing supply that any existing debts are paid. But suppliers may exercise a right to terminate that arises after the insolvency event, including termination for non-payment. Separately, the protection afforded by Section 233B bites only on entry into a formal insolvency proceeding. It does not prevent suppliers terminating where there are pre-insolvency triggers. And by that, for example, I mean if a supplier becomes aware that administrators are about to be appointed, it could still terminate before the appointment is made if the termination clause contains a trigger, such as any step being taken with a view to commencing insolvency proceedings, or alternatively, the filing of a notice of intention to appoint administrators. Uh, likewise, if a supplier became aware that a statutory demand had been served on the company, it might be able to terminate on the basis that the company is unable to pay its debts as they fall due, and therefore before any winding up order is made. After a customer has entered insolvency, the supplier can still exercise contractual rights where they exist, such as the right to terminate for convenience on notice or for repudiatory breach, invoking other rights such as set off or refusing to take new orders where the contract is for a single order or to renew the existing contract on its expiry. Therefore, to assist and help protect their position in the future, suppliers should have robust payment terms in place to try and safeguard cash flow, requesting payment in full or a deposit in advance, reducing payment periods, and providing short remedy periods for any default will all assist, assuming, of course, commercially possible. The credit control process, which provides an early warning sign for customers' financial difficulties and include an early pre-insolvency termination right in their contracts. Suppliers would also be well advised to include a retention of title provision in their contracts, which is effective before insolvency, so that any identifiable goods can be recovered to mitigate any potential losses on its customers' insolvency. And finally, if not already included in standard terms, a right to termination for convenience and or non-payment could prove invaluable, ultimately in the event of a customer's insolvency. 
Yes, yeah, so actually the devil's in the detail as within all drafting, and it's actually looking at the rights that you've got and the triggers for the rights in the insolvency regime to make sure that you're covered really um, in the event of the insolvency kicking in, would you say? Yes, that's right. I mean, it's 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 a, obviously would be appropriate to take advice. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of ensuring you're best protected, these sort of triggers, which are for a reason for non-insolvency, should be should be well considered. Yeah, understood. I suppose um, at the time of um, heightened COVID, I do recall there being provisions put in place um, in light of the insolvency regime. And I just wanted to lightly touch on those. Are there something that we as commercial lawyers and and those who are drafting and in procurement need to still be cognizant of, or have they kind of moved on from there? Uh, it is true to say that many of the emergency provisions introduced by Cigar were temporary in nature, and the world has since moved on, such that these now have lapsed, such as the restriction on the use of winding up proceedings, which expired on the 31st of March 2022. However, a number of Cigar's provisions, such as Section 233B, do remain in force as permanent changes. The other examples which might impact the standard terms on which many businesses operate are, as I touched on a moment ago, the introduction of two new insolvency processes, the freestanding moratorium and Part 26A restructuring plan. Such insolvency processes should be reflected in any definition of insolvency within your standard terms, even though, as I've said, such processes as termination triggers will be caught and rendered inoperative by section 233B. Thank you, Tim. So it's quite complicated, but actually the devil is in the detail. And if you have made the right provisions in the contract and are able to act before the prohibition kicks in, you'll probably be in a stronger position, would you say? Absolutely right, Beverly. <laughs> it's nice to be right now and again, thanks. Um, Right. On that note, I think that's enough for us all to think about whether you're acting on the supply side or on the customer side. It seems to me um, that there are some preemption arrangements and rights that we can include in the contract. And in particular, um, before the insolvency sets in seems to be a, a, a strong right to me. Um, I'd like to thank you for chatting with me today, Tim, and what is actually a complex area and you've you've made it um, more manageable I hope for those who are listening thanks for joining me thanks very much thank you for all our listeners for tuning in today please do contact me or usual Stevens and Bolton contact if you'd like any further information that we've discussed please look out for any future podcasts on issues that may be of relevance to your standard terms and conditions thanks for listening <laughs>